On this fourth Sunday of Advent, the church has, our turn, has us turn our minds to two men. And I think in a real way, they're two reflections of how to be a man. One is the worldly man, which is King Ahaz. And one is the spiritual man, or the man of faith, which is St. Joseph. And we can learn a lot from these two historical figures. And so, ladies, I hate to upset you, but today is going to be focused on the men. Right? And maybe some of you are happy about that. I'm not sure. So first, Ahaz. I'm going to have to give you just a little bit. You're going to have to bear with me. Okay? Stay with me. It's early in the morning, I know, still for some of you. But there has to be some historical context so you understand exactly what's going on here. So Ahaz is not a good king. In fact, he's one of the worst kings that ever ruled in Israel. He's very bad for a lot of things. Probably the most uh, horrific thing he did was he sacrificed his own child to the Assyrian gods. But that's not why he was disliked by the Jewish people of the time. Why he was disliked was because he formed an alliance with the king of Assyria. Now, for us in the modern day and age, that doesn't really mean that much. But again, bear with me. The reason he formed this alliance shows the type of man that he was. He was not the self-sacrificing, God-fearing, obedient warrior king like David, his forefather. And to this day, I still cannot figure out why we have not made a movie about King David. Like, how has Hollywood not got onto that? You know, Marvel Comics is, is trumping. The, the, the story of King David is one of the best stories ever. It has everything. From the slain of Goliath. I mean, imagine that scene. Then you have, you know, the treachery between him and Saul. You have the epic battles with the Philistines. You even have the bad stuff with Bathsheba. I mean, it's got everything. And yet we still haven't made that movie. But the main point of David's life, if you study him, if you read about him, David did nothing without God's approval. He was a man totally surrendered to the will of God. So much so that he looked oftentimes really crazy for the things he was doing. My favorite story of David is when they're getting, the Philistines are coming and they're going to attack. And David's troops are like, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, I don't know. God hasn't told me what we're going to do. And they're like, that's great. God hasn't spoken to you. But we should probably form a battle plan at this point because tomorrow they're going to be here. And David said, no, I'm not doing anything until God speaks to me. And eventually God speaks to him like in the 11th hour. And the best part is he gathers all of his troops around. He's like, here it is. Here's the battle plan. They're like, you give it to us, David. David's like, we're going to sit on that hillside. And when the Philistines come, we're going to wait until we hear footsteps on the treetops above us. And we'll know that's the Lord's army going in front of us. And then we'll attack. Now, if you're a warrior in David's army, you got to be like, right. We're going to wait. Wait, wait, wait. We'll get this right. We're going to wait for footsteps on the treetops. But here's what happens. They hear the footsteps on the treetops. And by the time they get to the battle, the Philistines are annihilated. They turn their swords on each other. There's no, there's no battle that even takes place. That's how the Lord works in David. In fact, the only time that David ever took things into his own hands is when he committed the sin with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. He tried to make it look like her husband did it. He wouldn't go home and be with his wife because he was true to being the warrior that he was. And so what did David do? He killed him. This is the difference between 
The, the worldly man and the man of faith. Ahaz is not like David whatsoever. He's a coward. He's a man who is narrow-minded. He cares nothing about his people. He only cares about himself and retaining his power within the kingdom. And it's during this time that he's being threatened by two kingdoms. The northern kingdom of Israel is attacking, as is the Syrian kingdom. That means that two powerhouses are attacking from the north. And Ahaz is freaked out, as any of us would be. This is where we find ourselves in the first reading when Isaiah meets him and says, Look, I know you think that these two kingdoms are going to destroy you. I know that. But in the eyes of God, these two kingdoms are nothing. And he will protect you if you stay true to him. And then he says, ask me for a sign to prove that what I'm saying is true. Go ahead, ask me. And Ahaz has already made up his mind. He said, I won't ask for a sign. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he forms an alliance with the king of Assyria. This is what happens when you lose faith, gentlemen. You run to the world. When you lose faith, you run to the world. So the world can protect you. So the world can provide for you. Whatever that would be. This is why he forms the alliance. And again, a little context. The king of Assyria at this time is like the king of all kings. Assyria was the most powerful empire in the region. And just to convince the king, Ahaz takes all of the treasures of the temple, the gold and the silver, and gives it to the king of Assyria. And says, please come and help us. And here's the crazy part, you guys. It worked. It worked. The king of Assyria did come and crush the northern tribe and crush the Syrian armies that were coming across the border. And guess what happened then? Ahaz said, Assyria, you are our kings. We trust you. And all of a sudden, all the people of Israel started worshiping the false pagan gods of the Assyrians. And here's the kicker. It did work, but not for long. As soon as King Ahaz died, the Assyrian king exiled all of the Israelites from their country to the Assyrian kingdom. You see, the world will always promise you something, but it can never deliver. I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, he wrote a letter to his shareholders. And one of the lines that's been sticking with me ever since I read it is this. He said, our company, Amazon, thrives off of the wonderful and beautiful desire of the human heart to never be fulfilled by things. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying that Amazon only exists because all of us, I shouldn't, yeah, not just you, all of us, right? I got a Prime account. <laughs> Sad as that is to admit in front of everybody. They thrive off of our dissatisfaction. I remember this little kid, he was all just looking sad. He had got, opened all of his Christmas, Christmas presents, and I'm like, what's the matter with it? What, what, what happened? He's like, I didn't get what I wanted. I was like, well, what did you want? He's like, I don't know, but I didn't get it. <laughs> That's our hearts. And that was the heart of Ahaz. When men lose faith, they lose courage. And they run to the world for their satisfaction, for their protection. Now listen to this. I, somebody just sent me this. It's called the cycle of civilization. Every 200 years of civilization goes through this. Just listen. It's amazing. From bondage to spiritual faith. 
From spiritual faith to great courage, from great courage to strength, from strength to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to leisure, from leisure to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from dependence to weakness, from weakness to bondage. Where are we right now? I would say we're somewhere in the complacency, apathy, dependency sort of thing. The government will take care of us. If we just give them enough, it'll, they'll take care of us. When you lose faith, you get weak. And when you're weak, you are susceptible to bondage. Enslavement. But notice, where does it all start? The cycle of civilization, it starts with faith. Great faith. Real men don't look like Ahaz. Real men look like Joseph. What a dude. Joseph, there's a song in the liturgy of the hours that I pray every day on the Feast of St. Joseph. The first line of it is, Joseph, you are the man. And he is the man. If it wasn't for this saint, the whole of salvation history could have gone off track. But notice, he was a man of faith. What we hear today, he says that he was going to divorce her quietly. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of St. Joseph, just for a little bit. Bear with me here. Use your imagination. So Joseph, virtuous man, upstanding man in Nazareth. All of a sudden, he's, he's courting this beautiful woman. They're going to get married. She's like the most virtuous and wonderful girl in all of Nazareth. And all of a sudden, she's pregnant. Imagine the shame he felt. The sadness, the letdown that he felt. And then he has a dream. I don't know about you, I've had a lot of dreams. And they're crazy dreams. But Joseph has this dream, and an angel appears and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He's like, why? Because the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. If I'm Joseph, I'm like, oh... Oh, okay. Why didn't you just say so? If you just would have said Holy Spirit, that would have been a lot easier. I mean, come on. This is crazy stuff. Stuff that has never happened in the history of the world. And yet Joseph says yes. Then they go down to Bethlehem. Again, I put myself in Joseph's shoes. And they're walking around and they're like, I'm like, hey, God, this is your kid. Can we get a hotel? Nope. No hotels. I'll give you a cave. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Appreciate that. Really like the smell of the animals too. That's a bonus. And then when the baby's born, it doesn't like float or dance or start speaking. It's a baby. And then that night, Joseph has another dream in which God says, get up and get out of here. Go to Egypt. <laughs> oh. Okay. Right, I'm just supposed to leave my business in Nazareth. I'm supposed to take my newborn and my post-pregnancy wife and go across a desert? For hundreds of miles? Are you crazy? But he does it. And then they're in Egypt and he goes to sleep. You got to think the man was afraid of going to sleep. (laughs) He goes to sleep and all of a sudden God says, get up. Go back. Okay. Joseph 
was unwavering in his faith. His life, what he knew was so much bigger than himself. It wasn't about him. He had a mission to protect his wife and his child. Think, just think, if all men took Joseph as their model. Think how strong the church would be. Think how safe the world would be. Gentlemen, we can always do more. We can love more. Sacrifice more. You can spend more time with your kids. Pray with your families. And be the spiritual leaders that you are called to be. Or you can be weak-willed men of the world. Who put your careers first. Who put your wants, wishes, and desires first. And you can be like Ahaz. And I promise you, you will lead your families into bondage. If you want to know how you're doing, I think there's three questions you should ask yourself. Number one, is Sunday Mass a priority for me and my family? Not just when it's convenient, but always. Second, do I pray with my spouse and my children? And third, do my children know that the faith is the most important thing in my life? If you can answer yes to all those, you're following the model of Joseph. If you don't, you might be following the worldly man. Gentlemen, we have enough men who look like King Ahaz, who sell out their families for their own wants and wishes and desires. Our prayer today is that we have more that look like Joseph, the guardian of the Redeemer.